Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Hello, thank you for joining me. I'm Donna. This is Spotlight Conversations. We talk about music and media, people who are in the industry and are doing some amazing things, and maybe they have a story you have not heard about. Um, Today, I'm talking with Michael Kurtz, who is the founder of Record Store Day, and the music industry, music executives have been behind him 100%, musicians like Jack White, Paul McCartney, Metallica. Michael, thank you very much for being a part of the episode today. I'm very excited to hear about everything about Record Store Day. (laughs) How did this start, Record Store Day? I mean, is it a passion of yours, these celebrating independent record store owners? I started out in North Carolina uh, running an organization called the Music Monitor Network, and it was a coalition of independent stores. Most of them uh, were mid-sized chains, small chains across the country, and I published a magazine with a guy named Charlie Johnson who was the driving force behind that. And at our height, we had a circulation of around 250000 for our newspaper. Basically what happened is around 2006 or something like that, a tower closed. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that record stores were, and you know, something of the past. And there's a lot of negative press about us, but we were having a great time. All the major artists were doing events with us, doing promotions with us. You know, we were mm-hmm. having fun. So the comic book industry started Free Comic Day. We looked at that and said, "Hey, let's figure out what we can do for record stores." And uh, we launched it in 2008 with Metallica. What was their campaign with you for Record Store Day? We went to then-president of Warner Brothers Records, a guy named Tom uh, Beery, who comes out of the radio side of the music business, but he was president of Warner Brothers at the time and a very free-thinking guy. So I went to him with the idea, can we create this event? He loved it, and we kind of had, both of us sort of had a relationship with Metallica's management and pitched them on the idea. And, of course, Lars has always been a strong proponent of uh, records and vinyl and, and CDs and whatnot right? because of the fan aspect of it. It's almost like owning a tour t-shirt or something. And he got it right away and said, okay, let's do it uh, in our hometown of San Francisco. We'll set the example. You know, here's arguably top five biggest bands of all time doing an, an event in their hometown record store. And they came in and then met fans on record store day. And we put out three reissues of the original records on vinyl which nobody was doing at the time right and it just exploded people went crazy the event itself was just off the hook it was you know they they were so sweet to all their fans met took the time to talk to each one of them there was like 400 fans allowed in and it, the whole process took about six hours because they took time to talk to each and every one of them yes. they're that kind of band it's real authentic and that was why it all sort of came together because their authenticity and the record stores authenticity sort of just matched and and it was it was just magic and it exploded from there and it's just grown what was the name of their record store in san francisco or the one that they they did their initial campaign uh, rest eat music and that's where like james when he was young used to go there and buy records you know before metallica so there was a real connection there and you and i have a connection in raleigh north carolina um i see you went to asu and explain that a little bit. Yeah, I was going to school at Appalachian to study in their jazz department. The music director was a guy named Dr. Gora, who had run the music department in Miami University. And Jocko Pastorius was a big 
you know, mm-hmm. came out of that. And of course, at that time, we're talking early '80s. Um, Jocko was like Jimi Hendrix, you know. And so, I was drawn to the school. Uh, couldn't read music, just played everything by ear, and um, had to sort of argue my way into the department. And uh, I was picked as a number one. You know, auditioned and came out as the number one guitarist for the big band and Appalachian State's big band uh, at the time. I haven't followed it since, but it was one of the best in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge thing for me um, to do that. And for two years, I, I played in the big band um, and uh, maybe three years. At the same time, R.E.M. came along and pressed up their own vinyl seven-inch song called Radio Free Europe yeah. and the local record store, uh, record tape traders, carried it and it was a guy named Scott Ripple who organized events around music and all of these things I learned I applied to record store day later uh-huh. um, and the band came up played at PB Scott's and it was a huge thing and it was just anybody who experienced it it was almost like a religious event and after that I was like I want to play rock and roll and uh, started a rock and roll in the sense of like pop rock you know and, I mean already right. I don't think of rock and roll but you know the, whatever you classify that as and started the band three hits with uh, Sheila Valentine and Jim Bedell, and we, um, you know, we we put out a seven inch that was on the Hip Tone label, the same label that put out REM's first se- seven inch, and um, you know, we tried to make it. We got signed, got dropped, the whole thing. We, but all of that I learned on sure. the experience. You know, it was an amazing thing. And uh, Raleigh, legendary Raleigh musician Don Dixon was also a part of that. How was he in? in- right. Exactly. Don had produced, co-produced the first two REM albums um, and with Mitch Easter. And I originally had tried to get Mitch Easter to do our demos, but he was too busy with Let's Active at the time. So mm-hmm. Don ended up doing it. At first, I was disappointed. But then when I worked with him, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's the most talented. I say this even today. Yes. One of the most talented musicians I've ever met in my life. I, yes. I mean, he's like McCartney or something. He can play anything, do anything. Can He's very empathetic when he works with other musicians, brings out the best in him. Yes. That was just, uh, you know, uh, such a gift, uh, that experience of getting to work with Don. He's just incredible man. So the band itself that you were a part of lent itself to being behind Record Store Day, where you're, you're celebrating the culture well, they, of the independent record store owner yeah i mean you know at that time what i got out of i mean my band practiced in the record store i worked at a record store um all of the you know the the pressing of your own records that came out of you know like uh, peter buck worked at a record store down in athens and everybody was a it was a do-it-yourself kind of thing and all of that experience I took with me when it came time to do Record Store Day is like, well, we can do this ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, ourselves meaning with working with other partners and not whatnot. I mean, of course, Metallica is huge and they do what they, they want to do. But when it came time to do it, it wasn't weird for me or anything. Or, or you know, even though when I took it to music executives initially, a lot of them thought, you know, this is just a fad doing vinyl. Nobody's really going to be. There's nothing really here, but okay, we'll go along with it. You're, you're excited about it. You want to do something fun. You know, it just it started out that way. Um, and all of that came out from the record store experience. The retail part of getting the records out to customers. Yeah, but, but it, you know, like I worked at School Kids in Wilmington, North Carolina. And when the Fabulous Knobs put out their first EP, this is way before people started doing it. My idea was like, can we bring the band in? to the store and we'll do a big mural outside of the, the store on Wrightsville Avenue and 
you know, invite mm-hmm. people to go. Now, you know, my dreams were much bigger than reality in the sense that I love fabulous knobs and there were some people that did, but most people didn't know who they were. Um, but I treated them as if they were Metallica and did the very first event with them. It's all these experiences that happened in North Carolina, took it to record store day. And at that time I was living in Los Angeles. It just all was easy to do. Because it was meant to be and it was just a passion you had. Yeah. You know, I, I, that is early experiences I just took to very high level, you know, working with a band like Metallica. Now, going back to, to uh, when Metallica was at their record store and helping you launch Record Store Day. Who else helped you? What other bands saw that and went, oh, yeah, I have a store that I used to buy all my records at when I was a kid? Well, yeah, there's about, at that time, there were probably around a 1,000 record stores in, throughout the United States, mm-hmm. and about 100 of them participated in the first Record Store Day. And I would have to call each you know, owner at the beginning. Like, I can remember calling Rolling Stone and, and outside of Chicago and, their legendary record store getting the owner on the phone and he's an older guy and he just got really irritated with me because here I am talking really passionately and, you know, being all effervescent about record store day. (laughs) And he's just like, what are you talking about? And he just basically just hung up the phone on me. There was a lot of early experiences like that, trying to get people to understand what it was. But then all of that prepared me for taking it to international when we launched it in London, Paris and, and beyond, you know, Tokyo and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's all learned experience and every step of the way, I just apply it to the next level. And the reception in Europe was, was big too. I mean, they love American music. Yeah, but, but it's, of course, you know, um, they do, but a very unique country in that its culture is, and its economy mm-hmm. is, has, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, interconnectivity between everything like mm-hmm. early on like the scottish parliament declared record store day you know an official event and things uh-huh. like that it would happen in the uk because earlier than it happened in other countries because music industry is such a big part of their culture when that came together it just you know everything exploded to a whole new level then you know you got bands like at the time you know whatever was really big radiohead or whatever right. we put out a record store day release What's the most thing you're proud of between 2008 and now? I know Record Store Day, of course, you're very proud of. But is there one event in particular that you thought was a challenge to make this Mm. just a landmark? I'd say there's really two events. Taking it to Europe, helping enable everybody to to understand how to do it, Mm -hmm. make it happen. And that led to being knighted in France. Their title there is Chevalier of Arts and Letters. you know, which is a great honor. I was, I was giving that, that in a ceremony along with the Chinese pianist Ling Ling, mm-hmm. who's really famous because he's the one who opened up the Chinese uh, Olympics. That was so amazing that year. You know, that was a that was like, oh, wow, I'm, I've done something exceptional. And I love the, the way that the Minister of Culture explained that, that my genius, her words, not mine, was that I enabled local businesses to empower themselves become very successful in a modern world and that's exactly what it is and that's why they they gave me the honor that was a big deal for me and then the other one was uh going to japan going to tokyo and meeting with uh, the folks who own toyo kasei which is japan and really asia's oldest vinyl manufacturing plant uh old japanese family been doing it since the 50s and working with them and doing press with uh radio print and tv and whatnot and uh really feeling like, 
wow, I've transcended something, you know, the language barrier here, because the Japanese, not just the language, but the culture, so different from anything else I've ever experienced in my entire life. And somehow Rekasorde came alive there and just exploded because of its authenticity. So that was a big moment. Do you have a, a loyal staff that have been with you since the very beginning that help you put this in motion? Rekasorde is um, managed by myself and Carrie Colleton mainly. We do have partners with the Coalition of Independent Music Stores and the Alliance of Independent Music Stores the woman named Andrea and then Eric there. There are partners, but really it's Carrie and myself, and Carrie still works and, and runs Record Store Day on her part out of Raleigh, North Carolina, whereas I'm now in Bozeman, Montana. I was in New York, but the pandemic mm-hmm. pushed us out. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a family, and it just wasn't possible to mm-hmm. function there. You know, we'll go back when it gets functioning again, but pretty much everything shut down, all business done by phone or Zoom calls. But anyway, so it's Carrie and myself, really. We don't do anything without consulting, and I'm a team player. I, I really believe that. You saw that in bands like R.E.M., The Doors. Mm-hmm. Bands, if you followed them, their idea was all for one, one for all. Queen was like that, too. Everybody has an, a kind of an equal vote. So we don't do anything without doing a lot of consulting with record store owners uh, worldwide. But in the end, we manage it. So it's, it's the two of us. I'm talking with Michael Kurtz, founder of Record Store Day, celebrating the culture of the independently owned record store. I wanted to ask you, too, there's a generation coming up that is into vinyl all of a sudden. Do you attribute yeah. your success to that? or Vinyl was relaunched by Record Store Day. That's not in dispute. When we did it, no rec- not even record stores carried vinyl at that time, except for mainly used vinyl, mm-hmm. maybe some high-end kind of high-audio stuff like mobile fidelity or, or acoustic sounds. Um, but really, it was, there was no vinyl business. We proved that it could happen and that people would buy it. Um, and we just kept building it year after year. And then what happened around 2015 we noticed a huge shift from older guys, you know, bald head ponytails, my my age group became the minority and people younger than 28 became the majority of people coming to celebrate record store day. Mm -hmm. And then about a year after that, the majority became younger girls, uh, women um, that were really driving it. The boys slower to, to take up, uh, or vinyl records. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just describing the arc of how it developed. Now, we did a lot of partnership with Crosley, the family-owned company out of, uh, I think, out of Kentucky, and worked with them closely. When we started with them, you know, they would sell a couple hundred thousand turntables a year. Now, you know, they sell millions of turntables really? a year. It's just, oh, yeah. I mean, the turntable business has just exploded. And we try, and we used all this information every step of the way to go to record labels and say, hey, look, these guys are manufacturing more turntables. That means more people are buying records. We need to do more, more. You know, it's gotten so big now. It's, you know, it's a billion, over a billion-dollar-a-year business. Yes. But in the beginning, I think we sold about $80,000 worth of vinyl. That leads me to the Making Vinyl Conference. I know some things are put on hold because of COVID-19, but... Tell me a little bit about that. Making Vinyl Conference was the first conference to try to bring together the manufacturers of vinyl. 
And that's a lot of different people. Uh, that's everything from artist management to record stores who put out rec uh, vinyl records to the people who manage and, and run record plants, mastering people, the people who do the mastering process on records. So we wanted to bring build a community for them to get together. It's a very difficult thing, probably one of the hardest things that we tried to do. It's all on hold now because of, of the, the virus, but we did events. Uh, twice in Detroit, we did one in Los Angeles, and we did one in Berlin, in the, a studio where David Bowie did all of the his famous albums, Heroes and, mm -hmm. and Low. This old German dance hall that was taken over by the Nazis and turned into like a, some kind of propaganda place for a while, but and then it got bombed out after the war, and then the wall was built right next to it. Um, anyway, it was a wonderful place to celebrate the resurgence of vinyl because. Berlin has come back very much like vinyl has. Uh, there's this sort of connection there that was just really magical. The Billboard mm. Magazine Award recently. Um, where were you when it happened? Yeah. And tell me about that. Yeah, they reached out to me and said, hey, we would like to make you executive of the week because of the success of Black Friday this year. Uh, what happened was... Um, we had the Stagger Record Store Day into three different events, and then uh, a fourth event was Black Friday. All of it led up to a huge surge in interest in vinyl that um, broke all sales records, uh, depending on what strata of the music industry you're talking about. I think overall it was the second biggest day in history of the music business. And then uh, within you know the indie retail community, it was the biggest thing we'd ever done. Um, so they were like, you've done something exceptional. Uh, can we ask you questions and, and name you as executive of the week? So I said, sure. And, um, you know, the photo was done by Brad Trent, who's the guy who's done everybody, uh -huh. photos from everybody from, you know, Obama to, right. oh, God, you know, just, just every everybody. major actor, yeah. you can, actress, you know, he's a really incredible photographer. So it was really nice to have that done. And, yeah, it was fantastic. Kind of how it happened. Congratulations. It's it's like this dream you had. What do you have in store for, you know, say the next 10 years? Well, one of the things I'm passionate about is trying to breathe life back into uh, the record stores that are owned by black people. Um, that used to be a very vibrant part of the music industry, but it's been completely decimated in the last 10 years. And I, even though I've tried to work with different uh, black entrepreneurs over the year, it's just got to the point where they're almost extinct. I think there's less than 25 black owned record stores in the United States. And just 10 years ago, there were over a hundred and I think somewhere between hundred and 150. I really want to work to make them be the, the sort of gathering place that they are for those communities. Cause it's a very positive thing. It, mm -hmm. it, it creates not just jobs. It creates, um, the ability for small businesses to fund the school band, mm -hmm. you know, the libraries, all that stuff that local communities need. Been really lucky so far. I've, I've got um, worked with Vans, the shoe company, and they're helping us fund it. We're melding with a big corporation to do something very positive on a local level. So my dream is to really bring that community back. Um, and I'm also experimenting with a new strategy that we'll start next year where we create local music, vinyl releases that are done for a good cause and for next year we're going to have four records we're putting out by north carolina bands this will be a north carolina thing awesome it's going to have the backsliders on it uh jeffrey dean foster chris damey and uh -huh. the belt what we're going to try to do is press up records make them for those local record stores they could then 
sell them to raise money for an organization called the Shalom Project, mm -hmm. which is out of Winston-Salem that um, raises money uh, to create infrastructure and support for families that are distressed. Those are the families that are lost their homes or uh, are temporarily, you know, in some bad situation because of family strife, a loss because of death, things like that. It's an experiment to see what what will happen. Maybe if somebody hears this in this interview, they'll reach out to me and see if there's some way we, we can work together to make it bigger because that, that's what Record Store Day is really about is, is taking a small event, exploding it to create support for locally owned businesses or organizations like the Shalom Project. We'll, so, we'll find a way together to yeah. get everybody to know about this. Yeah. What, what would you advise uh, someone who's thinking of something to benefit others, but yeah. it, it yeah. seems so out of the ordinary, you don't know, you wouldn't know where to start. What would you advise them? Meditate. Meditation is one of the most important things that you can do. And I actually attribute Record Store Day to meditation. If you talk to, uh, read interviews with great uh, leaders, philosophers, artists, a lot of them have meditation running through uh this time in their life where it really explodes. And that could be any number of things. It could be, you know, prayer. Or it could be uh, using, the, you know, more traditional Indian strategies of clearing your mind, getting it focused, and, and understanding that you can do something positive if you set your mind, your heart, and soul to it, because it will become real. It's the weirdest thing. You know, it sounds flaky and hippie and stuff, but it really isn't, especially if you're coming from poverty, which I did. You really have to get focused, and you have to create your goal, move toward But at every step of the way, what meditation teaches you is to listen to other people. Listen to their, what they have to say, and then when you understand you know, where other, others are coming from and you have empathy and for them, then you start to have the skills that you need to build a business. And uh, it can happen. Uh, it's very real. Uh, so that's my best advice to anybody who wants to do something exceptional. Michael, thanks for coming in today. Uh, it's been great understanding what Record Store Day is all about. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing for the oh. community. Oh, you're welcome. And my pleasure. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.